0: Thanks for tuning in to Unsponsored Content. I'm your host, Jesse Resnick, bringing you interesting conversations and stories from the world of technology and advertising with industry experts who are creating with curiosity and courage. If it's interesting or innovating, let's talk about it. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Unsponsored Content. Today, my guests are Ben Christie, the CEO of Gourmet Ads and Healthy Ads, which is a leader in food advertising solutions, and he's joined by Shilpa Colte, a senior account director at Xander, who helps publishers and broadcasters get the true value of their inventory through programmatic technology and innovative solutions. And today, they're joining me across the ocean. Ben is based in Sydney, and Shilpa is based in Singapore and they're talking to me about the partnership between Gourmet Ads, Healthy Ads, and Xander and how Ben and his team are really pushing the boundaries to become a really innovative publisher and how Xander is helping them get there. So without further ado, guests, thank you so much for joining me, Ben and Shilpa. Let's jump right into it. First, I want to know where you grew up, where you went to school, and how you got into ad tech. Shilpa, we'll start with you.
1: I am actually a chemical engineer by basic education. I worked in the chemical industry. I used to work in polymers and pharmaceuticals, and then I thought I want to learn more about business, which got me into MBA. I studied marketing and finance and started getting into commercial roles. All this was in India, so I traveled a lot. I worked across like uh, technology consulting, and I also worked across like banking sector. Both of these places doing commercial roles. Then I got married and moved to Singapore. After moving to a new place, which is not known to me and not having a lot of network other than my husband, it was an interesting journey looking for opportunities to work that are similar to my background and my work experience. Established businesses' barriers to entry were pretty high, for example, in the banking industry. There are own implications on the kind of opportunities you can get to when you don't have the visa situations that's appropriate for Singapore. That got me into the startup industry. I started working remotely for a startup incubator based out of Silicon Valley. Working for them, I networked a lot into the startup industry in Singapore and landed my first job, which was a location advertising startup. That's how I got into advertising tech, and I have been in this industry. It's been almost nine years now.
0: That's such a great story. What a background you have? A chemical engineer. That's fascinating. What about you, Ben?
2: So I have a similar background. I was a chef for 10 years and I actually uh, accidentally found myself in advertising. I was working on a TV show in Australia and we were trying to get it up in the US. I did a pilot for the Food Network and then the writer's strike hit and our agent said, go back to Australia and build an audience. And I thought, well, how am I going to build an audience? And I stumbled over Adify I'd just finished building a a home content network for Martha Stewart. And I thought, ah, I could be the food one. And so we ended up getting started in July 08 on Adify, which eventually turned into Cox Digital. And then we migrated to Xander in 2012. So it's not the normal do a marketing degree and get into advertising. It was like do another industry like Shilpa and find yourself in advertising that way.
0: That's very cool. So what do you both do now for your respective companies? Shilpa, we'll start with you at Xander. So at Xander, I lead the
1: monetized business in Southeast Asia and India which means I get to do three things. um, Strategy development for this product line, for this market. I do account management for our existing clients and I also do new business, which means bringing new clients to the fantastic world of Xander Monetize. So most of my work here allows me to work with media conglomerates in this region across most of the countries for this part. And in the recent time, as Xander starts focusing more on OTT and CTV platforms as well, which are quite a big rate, I also work with a lot of companies in this space. My work allows me to also work with our fantastic service team of solutions consultants, product specialists, and together we provide the best of Xander to our clients. I also work with some very unique businesses as well. So I work with a publisher consortium of Singapore Media Exchange. We don't have a lot of publisher consortiums in the world anymore, so that makes it really unique who use our technology as a core of their business. And then of course I work with Ben for my ads and healthy ads and their use of Xander technology is very innovative. So I'm sure Ben will have a lot to share about that.
0: Wow. You're busy over there. All right, Ben, so as the CEO of Warmaid Ads and Healthy Ads, what exactly do you do day to day? And of course, I'm going to ask you about your relationship with Xander and how we work together.
2: Obviously, as CEO, I'm across everything. But what I end up spending most of my time on is product development and sales development. And they kind of go hand in hand. In some respects, you have to listen to the market to be able to drive product. And this is something I work a lot with Shilper on. So we've been with Xander since 2012. And in that time, we've worked on numerous alpha products, numerous beta products, (laughs) some that never have actually made it to market. Effectively, we manage about seventeen hundred publishers in the food and health space, as well as we have a strong managed services business as well. So I find most of my day to day working on product development and how I can actually take a lot of resources and sales direction from Xander and then interpret it and build it out in our own stack.
0: Over the almost ten years of the partnership, what's been your favorite project or initiative that you've worked on? Or maybe most successful? We, oh,
2: sorry. I would say Deals, I was part of the team that originally launched Deals. We did it in London. God, I can't remember how many years ago it was now. I remember sort of working behind the scenes to get Deals live when Deals really wasn't a thing. And then so that was the first innovation of Deals. And then we worked on V2 Deals a couple of years later. And so I would say probably Deals has probably had the most impact I would say nearly 50% of our business today is executed through some sort of deal. And so innovation in that space, you know, how do you set yourself different from the market? We've had to really innovate how we sell a deal. I think the premise of, hey, can you set me up a deal on these sites kind of has gone away. And where Deals V2 has really sort of set it aside is you can actually set up a KPI, whether it's a viewability KPI or a completion rate KPI, I think that has been probably one of the most exciting things because you can effectively go to the agency or the buyer and go hand on heart, I'm gonna get you 70% all day. And it's just gonna work and nothing's gonna stuff up. <laughs> so I'd say that's probably the most exciting thing.
0: Shelpa, from your perspective, and I don't know if you've specifically worked on this partnership for your tenure at Xander, but for the time that you've been working with Ben and his company is What's been the biggest learning that you've taken away having such a close partnership with a client?
1: I think one learning I've taken away is how invested and closely connected different organizations uh, within snappy startup environments like Gourmet and and EnziHads have. As a very large organization, when uh, we work in a customer-facing office far away from your headquarters, it's difficult to see how different things interact. Working with Gourmet as that interaction was great to see. Another learning I felt, and it relates to what my role is, I want to help my clients do the best using Xander technology. In my time working with Ben, we released a few products. Ben has been adopting some of the newer products that we release and understanding a customer's journey, the kind of pain they go through when we are working through a product as we are iterating, it has been really insightful. Gave me a great glimpse into how we should be thinking when we build products about the customer's experience or the end user experience and the overall design aspect of it.
2: I'd um, add in there, I think the one thing that I've learned from working with Shilpa Shulpa's traditionally work with big organizations and I think that probably some of the big enterprise stuff just doesn't work for us. I'll give you an example something that might take a couple of weeks to get into someone's head in the enterprise level. You know, we can go from proof of concept on a Monday to product delivery on a Friday and Shilpa you know this like we can turn around stuff quick. We don't have boards and things like that that have to go around and so I've enjoyed Shilpa's enterprise experience and then just trying to pick parts out of it to make things move. And I think Shilpa would probably agree with this, that I usually don't take no for an answer. I usually find a way to get where I need to get to. And I think that Shilpa's helped us navigate things that when, you know, you're banging your head against the wall because something's not working, she's used her enterprise experience to get us there, whereas I've probably gone the opposite direction and, and knocked on the wrong doors at the wrong time, whereas she's done better. So I, I think I'd probably add that in. I hope that's okay, Shilpa.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. This is so sweet. I love this. We should have more client success partners stories together. We don't do these enough.
2: There's one more thing I want to add. So we moved to Singapore. We used to be account managed out in New York for a long time. And I think when the at and acquisition went through, we as a business got lost in the account management team in New York. And I think when we migrated at our choice to move to Asia, it took a while to get that migration. And I want to say that like Shilpa, she really does care about our business every day. And she's like a staff member, I said said it with all due respect. She cares about things and keeps us on point that sometimes would get missed, if that makes sense. And I think that once we moved to Singapore as account managed, I think our relationship changed for the best. Even though we had a great relationship before, I think it went to another level when we went to Singapore. That's okay. Being
0: on the same time zone. You no,
2: know, it wasn't just a time zone thing. Like that's probably the most obvious thing to think about, but it actually wasn't that. It was actually having someone who understood the business and understood it intimately. And a lot of the account management we had in New York before that, they were young startups and didn't really understand the scope of business. They're on their progression of their career, but but Shilpa really understood what we needed to do to move the needle to to get stuff to jump.
0: I love that. I mean, I think Shilpa Ben wants you to come work for him. So we, we better <laughs> watch
2: <work> out. That's <laughs> not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: he needs um, an inside source and a zander. <laughs> yeah, I can never get rid of you. So a press release went out a couple months ago with the exciting news that, Ben, your companies have expanded the use of Xander Monetize. And I want to just ask a little bit more about what it is about Monetize that makes it such a great product for your business. And you don't need to give away any secret sauce. But I mean, obviously, it's like the partnership and the ability to be flexible and implement things fast. But is there anything else that you could say about what you know to be true about Xander Monetize versus others in yeah. the space?
2: So once again, like going back to this alpha beta thing that I was talking about early, we went through two iterations of pre big client side. When I say two iterations, it was deployed the same way originally, but the setup in the ad server was, was different on two different occasions. What we found was in 2019 and early parts of 2020, we saw the client side revenue dropping. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think first of all, Just general internet latency, particularly on mobile devices, was a big problem. And we were losing bids and we weren't getting bids back to handsets. And so that was a big struggle. Another struggle was the ongoing engineering resources. You know, there was a release every week or every second week. And the engineering resources that went into that to update it on a cycle was starting to sort of cut into our product development path. So we found that we were like losing a day a week just keeping pre-bid current. And the problem was if you don't keep pre-bid current and you fall back, all the adapters move forward. And so if you're not keeping pre-bid up to date every week or every second week, the sell-through of that individual adapter can drop dramatically. So that was becoming an issue. Adding a new adapter into the mix took a week at least by the time you set it up, test it, discrepancy testing, all that kind of stuff. And the last thing is, it wasn't really a fair auction in my view. The way that the impressions were requested into the auction, you had like an auction on the page, you had a winner that got set up to another auction in the ad server. And so moving to PSP solved a lot of problems. The first thing it solved is a true unified auction. The latency issues went away because you know, when we were doing that request for a normal mobile ad, we were running a pre auction at the same time. So we, we saw the reduction in latency. I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I feel like it came down like nearly 60 or 70%. So we were able to, to be more competitive to buy that impression in real time. And the engineering resources just went away. Like we still have configs that get done, but it's like an hour's work. And so those are probably all the pain points Probably the most beneficial thing is with the jump in revenue. like, And I'm talking sizable jump. Because we're selling more impressions, the pre-bid bids were more competitive in the stack. And so what we've ended up seeing is not only a massive increase in pre-bid revenue, but we've seen the entire auction over time just jump. And I think we're probably like sort of like just looking at, at averages. I think we're probably up 50 cents CPM across all markets on a given day. And that doesn't sound like much, but when you're doing 11 billion impressions a month, it adds up. So yeah, I hope that that's a a long answer to your short question.
0: (laughs) No, that's great. Awesome. We, we honestly haven't had too many publishers on the podcast. So it's always interesting to hear from your point of view, how you're working with us, and especially in different parts of the globe. Shilpa, I want to ask you outside of this incredible relationship with Ben, how is Xander helping publishers and OTT players across the region fully realize the potential of programmatic?
1: I think there are different paths to it, right? OTT publishers' landscape is very different, which is like, streaming live content on demand content then the resources that they need and the solutions that they need are very different from like a normal display news publishing kind of a business so for the publishing kind of business the kind of businesses that has been around for like 20 plus years they really value the ability to optimize yield management so offering them deal capabilities that allow them to prioritize their business decisioning depending on their relationship with the buy side that's important so getting them um, <laughs> across deals, product is helpful. Like Ben said, getting or uh, the ability to sell like on guaranteed viewability or uh, providing a threshold on viewability or a threshold on completion rates is quite valuable. Manually, it's really cumbersome to do. Uh, bringing those efficiencies is helpful for them. We also bring unique demand. Most publishers care about demand. So using technology, this helps improving revenues as well. Beyond our own monetized product stack, we have other product solutions such as invest and monetize which also bring niche demand to our publishing partners on the ott and ctv front i think asia is very interesting ott still stands to mean like video in-app advertising in asia or at least in southeast asia and india so the treatment is very different by publishers but buyers start asking for tv-like experiences which currently don't exist on this platform. Because most of the publishers or the tech stacks that they built came into play like four to six years ago when pre-bid or TV-like experience for these environments wasn't really a thing. CTV wasn't big in our space, but it's now gaining prominence because we are now having a lower cost of entry or ad- adoption of CTV due to like newer brands or new startups that start providing lower cost CTV. So that's going to proliferate a lot. And we will start seeing an explosion over the next year or so in most of the emerging markets as well. Now, as this starts gaining prominence, publishers are trying to catch up, buyers start demanding TV-like experiences. What it essentially means is both sides don't exactly know how things are going to work because the technology doesn't exist. We support with a lot of education and enablement in that space. We also have solutions both on buy and sell side to allow our clients to harness this full potential because there is a rich context of medium. And on the sell side, if publishers want to provide that same experience that buyers are really looking for, especially uh, programmatic and unified yield, we have a solution called Programmatic Auto with prepit, which brings the best of programmatic to an OTT and CTV world. Now, I personally think it's an extremely elegant solution that gives publishers the ability to separate competitive ads from running in the same stream. And it also prevents that annoying phenomena you might have come across before. The same ad comes back to back in a single ad break, or you would see the same ad in every single ad break uh, while you're consuming your favorite movie. Now, programmatic OTT with prepared, what we call as POP, solves for this. Buyers, on the other hand, can use a very different set of our rich contextual targeting solutions, especially in this environment. They can target a specific genre or category of content easily without having to get into lengthy back and forth with publishers. Now, the current prevalent practice to have any kind of contextual targeting on OTT or CTV would mean to setup. it's very manual and cumbersome on the publisher side of things, but we have solutions that are plug it and forget it, where the publisher can just make that content metadata available to Xander in a one-time plug integration. And they don't have to keep updating their libraries for us. They don't have to keep setting up deals every time the buyer is asking something for them. So I think these things are bringing forward programmatic in different media and for both types of publishers in our part of the world. One thing is quite interesting. Addressable and data-driven linear may be a big thing in the US, but it's not so in our part of the world. But we are also starting to monetize some set-top box inventory as well in this space. So I'm quite excited about the opportunities available in this area.
0: Excellent. That's so much. So there's so much going on in your world over there. I want to ask you both your perspective or more so just kind of like the conversations that you both have been having together about the future of identity in a world without cookies. So how are you both thinking about this and what kinds of things are you talking about? Ben, we'll start with you.
2: The cookie-less world. You go from that phase of like, holy moly, how is my business going to survive going forward to looking at this as an opportunity, right? And I feel like there's something like this every two years to sort of keep us all on our feet. Like, I feel like the last one was GDPR. Like, everyone thought the world was going to collapse when GDPR came down. Like, the opposite happened, right? I feel like this is going to be a similar sort of thing. You know, whilst we, we do sell a ton of impressions each month around retargeting. just the simplicity of someone visiting a website, I actually see this as an opportunity. So about 10 months ago, we started building our own contextual engine. And what we've done today is we've indexed, I think, 380 million URLs. We've analysed and crawled every single one of them. And so we now have off the shelf 300 plus contextual segments in, in food. So if we have someone that just wants to buy chicken recipes, we've got that sitting there. We've got Clients today running salmon seafood campaigns on our contextual engine. And so, what we're doing is we're not only cherry picking the data off our own publishers, but we're doing it through other publishers as well. So, like, just to use an example, if there's like, you know, say the Chicago Tribune has a fantastic salmon recipe, we're, we're including that in our targeting and we're using AppNexus's RTSS segments. So, basically building in the real time section. We talk about cookie lists in the future but really on the health front we're seeing more interest like right now with this technology because there's a lot of restrictions in multiple jurisdictions around using audience and cookies for health conditions so like particularly in America you just can't use an audience of people with diabetes whereas we've built out highly specific diabetes segments around type 1 diabetes type 2 diabetes diabetes recipes And we're actually getting more traction with companies today using our contextual solutions than we ever thought we would. So I actually think of the cookie-less issue as a massive advantage for us as a company. We've never really had access to a publisher's individual identity solution. So, like, we don't have access to a publisher's individual database of users. And so that part is really not relevant for us. But we see that with all the privacy changes coming through, we see contextual as the way forward.
1: Shilpa, you have anything to add? I don't have a lot to add on what Ben just said because contextual is the part that makes sense for their business. The other part we're looking at is how we start using different types of identifiers when we are not using a first party publisher first party ID. That would mean adopting commercial ID solutions that would get mass market adoption. That would find a way to continue the way programmatic advertising has been happening in the absence of a single cookie that's common to one particular technology stack, but commercial IDs that would work across multiple stacks. So that's something Ben and I are also working on, uh, on how he can use those ID solutions and work across not just the Xander marketplace, but also the PSP product line that he's currently adopting and using.
0: Awesome. Well, I think in six months, maybe more like 12 months, we might need a part two to see how things pan out on this. But very exciting. Thank you both so much. Before I let you both go, I have to get this scoop. I just want to ask you some random rapid fire questions for listeners to get to know you both. So I always ask this question, what is your all-time favorite advertisement? Ben, you look like you have an answer.
2: So my favorite ad is a classic. It's Paul Hogan's slash Australian Tourism's put another shrimp on the barbie. I get asked about it All the time when I travel around America and Canada and I think that you know all these years later it's still as effective as it was back in the 80s and I don't think Australian tourism's ever done a better ad so pretty much like when you come down under I'll put a shrimpy on the barbie for you.
0: I love that. i loved it you're the first person to bring out audio in the podcast even i love that what <laughs> yeah, so is the um what are they selling yeah
1: this art is from the 1990s I thought about it a few weeks ago because I was singing a song for my kids and I realized the brilliance of this ad. It came so long ago when the cola companies were entering the Indian market and we were starting to see them threaten the popularity of milk as a beverage. The National Dairy Development Board wanted to popularize drinking milk again, make it start looking cool again, and that they had this extremely peppy number. It was a sixty-second spot, and people would not change their channels when this came up because everybody wanted to sing that song together. I think it's very memorable. It's fantastic that so many years later, I still remember it, and I want to sing it for my kids. I would put that as my favorite ad.
0: Absolutely. I love that. It's so great. I love when ads like transcend decades too. That's so cool. Like they can be passed down or even like redone, be more modern. Maybe it's time for the shrimp on the Barbie one to have a little remake for the 2020s, the roaring 20s.
2: That will be good. Like a post-COVID travel blitz. I don't think they're going to need any travel advertising. I think with everyone cooped up at the moment, particularly in Australia, I think the problem they're going to have is printing passports.
0: So true. All my friends want to move to Australia. I heard it's an amazing place. Ben and Shilpa, thank you so much for joining me and sharing all about this incredible partnership and how we're really pushing the boundaries on advertising at Healthy Ads and Gourmet Ads. Thank you so much. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode.
2: Awesome. And I'll catch you later, Shilpa. Bye. Bye
0: unsponsored content is produced by christine rubenstein and sound by laura with special support from the xander communications team for the latest updates and to get caught up on season one follow us on social media at xander on linkedin instagram and twitter if you like this podcast or wanted to give us feedback follow rate and subscribe with us on apple podcasts and spotify thanks for tuning in see you later alligators The views or opinions expressed by the speakers are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Xander, Inc.